Today, we begin a new annual theme, church theme. Each year, Redbridge Baptist Church has a theme. We focus on one particular subject. We seek to learn it and we seek to live it. It's highlighted throughout the year with messages and ministries. It's addressed theologically and practically. We've just concluded the 2022-23 year of being members one of another, taken from Romans 12.5. Today, we begin the 2023-24 year of in the world, not of the world. Also taken from Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, we will use as the springboard for this subject over these next 12 months. And we'll speak to it in many ways. We already have plans underway. The youth lock-in is very much along that theme. Be prepared. Be prepared because you're in the world, but be prepared not to be of the world. The adult Sunday school uh, curriculum, all the adults together, Where's Brother Wallace? Oh, I can't remember if we're having, uh, having youth in that too. Check me on that, I, I just can't recall. But starting in January for six months, the adults are going to go through a, a series of uh, lessons on this very theme as well, in the world, not of the world. And so uh, we're going to hit this hard, hammer it. Um, we're going to uh, feed it, uh, eat it, drink it, breathe it, live it, learn it, love it, I trust, over these next 12 months as we did the previous theme, being members one of another. So, today, we introduce in the world, not of the world, and I like to get the big picture in, uh, in getting started. If you want me to investigate the trees in the forest, I would first want to take a helicopter or a, a drone and hover over the forest and get the big picture, get the layout, get an idea of, of uh, is, there, is there a stream running through that forest? Uh, are there hills and valleys? Uh, are there meadows? I want to get the big picture before I investigate the individual trees. That's what today is getting the big picture. And the big picture of in the world, not of the world, it seems to me from our text, it's an issue of yieldedness. To whom am I going to yield? And of course, the word of God says, it's to the Lord and the Lord alone. Romans 12, beginning in verse one. I beseech you, I plead with you, I beg you, I, 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 I labor at, at pleading with you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You'll remember that the book of Romans is easily divided into three sections. Chapters one through eight deals with the position of the believer, what God did for us in justification. Chapters nine through 11 is parenthetical and it addresses the preservation 
of ethnic Israel. And my, wouldn't now be a good time to read through Romans 9, 10, and 11 to be reminded that God still has a day, a future for ethnic Israel. In fact, parenthetically, I will remind you, show me a Hittite. Show me an Amorite, show me a, 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 a Parasite, a Canaanite, a Hivite. They're not here, as scripture says, but I can show you an Israelite, uh, nationally, ethnically, and uh, in fact, regathering to the land. Chapters nine through 11, parenthetical, dealing with that. And then chapters 12 through 16, and the launching point for our theme is chapter 12, verses one and two, is the practical section, the difference it makes in the lives of believers through sanctification. And so right out of the gate, this transition in, from chapters one through 11 into chapter 12 through 16, uh, into the practical section, brings this issue of yieldedness to the Lord. And it's not a suggestion. It's an obligation. I'm to walk in such a way that his lordship is evident. To the degree, folks, that it says in verse 1, I'm to present myself. I'm to yield intentionally to his lordship. It doesn't seem, since this is a practical section, it doesn't seem we're talking about yield to him in justification at the point of salvation. Certainly that was done. But this is a moment-by-moment moment yieldedness. This is each day. Uh, I need thee every hour. And I am to be yielded to him moment-by-moment. Moment. So let's get into uh, the, uh, the exposition of this text. Four points if you're taking notes. And the first is, is the compelling motivation for yieldedness. Uh, it really answers the question, why should I do that? Why am I to do that? Uh, and the compelling motivation is, he died for me. He yielded himself. All of the prerogatives, all of uh, uh, the divine um, prerogatives that he could have exercised, he said, no, I'm going to set those aside, my own will, and I'm going to do the will of him who sent me. And, and his will is that sin would be atoned for and I would have a people uh, for myself. The motivation, Paul said, in light of the mercies of God. And what, in light of what? Well, uh, in, uh, I'm to love him because of what he has done for me. You know, the psalmist uh, contemplated that in Psalm 116 and verse 12. It says, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? Well, uh, what I should render is abject yieldedness. I am to basically say, uh, Lord, uh, I, I am your vessel. I'm an open book. Take me and use me. You do with me as you would have. And if my heart attitude is that, then I can say that I am yielded unto him. Isaac Watts understood this. He knew the answer to what shall I render to the Lord. He said, he wrote, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Yieldedness. To him because I have a love debt. I have a love debt that I owe to God and I'm motivated to serve him, to follow him because of all he has done for me. Now, 
Just by very quick review, we won't turn to it, but chapters 1 through 11 identifies all kinds of uh, blessings we've received from him. We have received grace. We've been called. We've been chosen. We've been predestined. We are the beloved of God. We are saints. We've received peace with God and the peace of God. Uh, I'm saved. I'm declared righteous. I'm justified. I'm redeemed. We have brothers and sisters in Christ as fellow servants of righteousness, and I'm not condemned. That and much, much more is included in the therefore, because of all of this, chapters 1 through 11, specifically chapters 1 through 8, dealing with uh, Gentile believers. Because of all that, I have a compelling motivation to be yielded unto the Lord. In other words, it's the greatest, the grandest of all gifts ever given to any mere mortal is salvation in Christ. Amen? You can't get that anywhere else. And it could only be provided by God himself condescending, coming as a man, living a perfect life, though tempted in all points, and dying so that you might have life. Because of the mercies of God, I'm going to yield to him. I'm going to follow him. To remain, folks, unyielded as some would suggest, some people say there's optional discipleship for the believer. You, you get saved and then somewhere along the way, you can start opting to be a disciple. Not only is that wrong theologically, it's ludicrous. When I said I do to Kathy, my guess is she wanted me to start behaving like a husband right then. Kathy? When the doctor delivered Betsy sitting right there next to her. My guess is if Betsy could have told me, she would have wanted me to start providing and protecting as a father, not down the road a ways. <laughs> I need thee now, daddy. Y'all following the analogy? So optional discipleship is simply another word for disobedience. <laughs> And you're not doing what you were designed to do in yieldedness because of a grateful heart to him. So chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 starts teaching the duty of yieldedness and it's motivated by love. You see, there's the key. It's not I have to yield. It's not I, I should follow him or anything. It's I want to because of the mercies of God. All he has provided for me. I want, I long to, to be yielded to him moment by moment, all the while. Say, preacher, are you? Huh. Hardly. I look in the mirror sometimes. And I'm, I see conflicted Christian leader and mission field by the reflection that I see. Anybody identify? Oh my, I need thee every hour. Because I cannot. Now, in him, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I must have that yieldedness. And heart attitude of why I'm yielded makes all the difference. You see, going back to the analogy of husband and father. 
I could do those things as a husband or as a father, but how much more pure and rich it is when I serve as a husband, when I serve as a father, because of the love, love for the object I'm serving. Y'all follow that? And so I'm to yield to him in this world, not of the world, because of love for what he has done for me. The mercies of God, me, uh, him, uh, what he has done for me. And secondly, the general expression of yieldedness, and I've alluded to this just now, is me living for him. Me living for him. Notice in the text. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God that you present. It's the same word as in chapter 6, verses 13 and 19, for yield. It simply means to make oneself available to. It means I'm to make, I'm to uh, make myself, I'm to yield at, to the disposal of God as he sees fit. But what am I to yield? Notice it says next, your bodies. Now that's not just talking about skin and bones. This is using the illustration of a sacrifice. How much of the animals, uh, animal uh, in the Old Testament sacrificial system, how much was offered on that altar? All, the whole, the entire carcass was placed on those hot coals. All of it was consumed as a sweet savor unto the Lord. So uh, I, am, I in no way, shape, or form can I say, okay, God, uh, you, can have, you can have my Sunday morning. Or you can have a, a, a little bit of my, of my uh, uh, bank account. Or you can have uh, me, I can do this. No, 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 no. Now, it may play out like that in practical terms, but the reality of it is all of me is to be yielded. How much am I to hold back from the Lord? None. Present the totality of yourself unto him. Your time, your talents, your treasure as a, notice, living sacrifice. Old Testament sacrifices were dead. The animals were killed. They were taken out of the world. God wants you to stay in this world as a living sacrifice the totality of your being it yielded to him now what that will look like is going to be different for each one of us for some of you uh, the totality of your of your sacrifice of your offering is getting up at uh, uh, in the wee hours of the morning on monday morning uh, getting yourself ready and taking off for work and, and spending that time uh, 50 hours that week uh, bringing home the bread and all but all the while your time, talents, and treasure are yielded unto him. For others, maybe, uh, maybe you're of an age that you're not doing that, but you are still occupying until he calls you home. Yielded to him. You are living for him. Sacrificing your totality, not as a dead animal, but as a living sacrifice. In fact, Psalm 51, 17 speaks to that says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken, a contrite heart. That is in humility. You are saying, in essence, when you yield, God, I am yours. You have saved me. You own me. Every bit of me, uh, every, uh, every second of my existence, every talent, every uh, a bit of my education, all of my money, all of uh, my everything, Lord, is yours. Is that, is that accurate? Am I overstating it? Is that a correct statement? It's all his. 
Amen? I mean, just like all of the animal was put on the altar for the sacrifice, so too we as living sacrifices in this world are to be uh, yielded to him. Now notice he qualifies it. This sacrifice is to be holy, acceptable unto God. As you know, the Old Testament sacrificial animal had to be without spot, without blemish. Christ being the perfect example, uh, the, the sinless, undefiled sacrifice. But now we as living sacrifices are to live lives which are acceptable in his sight. I've thought about that. What does that mean? When you see one of your little ones, maybe a, that seven-year-old grandchild, doing something that he or she wasn't told to do, uh, doing something, a quality, a quality act, and you could tell motivated by concern for someone else without having bragging rights, just because of wanting to be a blessing to someone who needed a blessing. And that happens in our lives. Don't you have a heart filled with delight when you see that? Amen? You know what I'm talking about. That's the kind of idea. That's acceptable, meaning we want the Lord to be able to have a warm smile as he watches using anthropomorphic phrasing on that. We're in the world. We're not to be of the world. Notice also, it says this holy and acceptable offering unto God, when we yield in this world, it's our reasonable service. Now I've chased this around. I've looked at the, uh, uh, the, the exegesis of it, done that. Some of your Bibles translated spiritual worship. You had that? What do you have? Your reasonable, how many have reasonable service? Hold your hand up high. How many have logical duty or something along that line? How many have spiritual mode of worship, something along that line? Okay, there's a number of translations. And the reason is, uh, is because 2,000 years ago, the term took on uh, various applications and implications. And so it is not, it's not uh, absolutely certain precisely what it is. I follow along the line of it's your reasonable or logical uh, act of service, just like the Old Testament sacrifice, all of the offering would be consumed. That's reasonable. That's logical. If you put a, an, an animal carcass on the coals, that's what's going to happen. So too, as a living sacrifice, I'm to be yielded in, my, in the totality of my being because that's the logical thing to do if all of me is his. If he has all of my time, talents, and treasure. Did you all follow that line of reasoning? Um, so it seems to me that that is a good translation. Yieldedness is not so much something you do, but it's who I am. You see, I'm not, I don't get up in the morning, and I hope you don't, thinking, okay, now, in what areas can I be yielded to the Lord today? <laughs> that never comes across my mind. Why? I'm to be yielded in every area of my life. Amen? All of me is to be yielded as a living sacrifice in this world. I like what MacArthur wrote on this. 
He said the key, and you, I've shared this quote before, the key to the victorious Christian life is not trying to get all we can from God, but to give and yield all that we are. It's the totality of my being. So me living for him is how I express it. The specific plan. How do I actually practically go about doing it? Not in a general sense, but in a specific sense. Well, it has to do with separated living. And that is as much our theme this year as anything. In the world, not of the world. And there are two aspects of separation taught in the word of God. First of all, and, and in this verse, in, uh, in verse 2. First of all, there is separation from the world. Clearly, it teaches that. It says in verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. Uh, Brother Jacob Claxton shared a devotional on uh, this very verse this morning in Sunday school, not knowing that I was preaching on it, me not knowing uh, that he was going to be sharing that. Guess who knew? <laughs> Providence again. Folks, I'm seeing the providence of God every day, every day. I mean, I'm commenting now to it all because now that I'm starting to uh, uh, see it all the time, it's almost like I'm thinking, and I'm not making these things up. I'm not, in, I'm not just inventing uh, God's uh, examples of God's providence. When Jacob started uh, uh, thinking about the devotion he was going to share this morning from Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, did you have any idea I was going to use that as a thematic verse for this morning? I didn't have, he didn't have, I had no idea he was scheduled to, sh uh, to share in the Sunday school. So he gave us uh, a, a good um, uh, uh, What's the word? Uh, 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 prepper. Uh, precursor. Thank you. He gave us a precursor of what we're going to share in the adult Sunday school opening. And Jacob, I like the way that you phrased it is don't let the world wrap itself around you. Entanglement. Tell me what that phrase was. He didn't know I was going to put him on the spot like this. Don't let the world wrap you unto itself. I've heard, I, I've heard it a different way, but I like that too. Uh, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. It's saying the very same thing. Don't be conformed to this world. Oh yes, you are in the world. You're a living sacrifice. You're walking around as a sacrifice, wholly yielded to him in your time, talents, and treasure, actions, and attitudes. Yes, we're in the world. He wants us in the world. If he didn't want us in the world, just like the animal on the altar, we would die and he'd take us out of the world. He says, stay in the world. You are in the world. And I want you in the world. I want everyone to see a, a living sacrifice on display. Now be careful that you're not conformed. You're not squeezed into the mold of the world system. And really it's the word uh, for scheme. Um, don't have, follow the scheme of the world by trying to fit into its mold because it would be like putting a square peg in a round hole. Oh, you might be able to hammer it into it, but it's not comfortable and doesn't fit well. So as believers, we are not to be that or do that. So I ask the question uh, of myself, can I run comfortably with the world? Are my closest companions, are my uh, most enjoyable activities, that which reeks of worldliness, that which is not uh, uh, given over 
uh, to the things of God. Now, now I'm going to talk about, I think, uh, this evening, if I remember correctly, in a follow-up to this, of how do you discern? How do you know uh, when you're in the world if you're also partaking of the world? How can I know definitively? I'll share that this evening. And if you want to know, you can't be in this evening. Watch uh, a later uh, recording uh, of that. We can do that, can't we, IT guys? Yeah, I thought so. Separation from the world, secondly. Specific plan. Separated unto the Lord. Don't be conformed to the world, but be metamorphosized, transformed by the renewing of your mind. A radical change takes place from an ugly caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly. And it's an imperative. It's a command. Be transformed or be being transformed day by day, moment by moment, changing more and more into his likeness. Uh, And of course, uh, you do that by meditating, memorizing his word, pouring the, uh, the nourishment of the word of God into your life and you're transformed moment by moment. So the specific plan. And then finally, the continual fruitfulness of yieldedness following his will. Notice at the end of verse 2 that you may prove, you may demonstrate, it may be, there may be evidence of the good and acceptable and perfect will of God in and through your life. My goal, your goal is to fulfill his will. And when I Folks, when I walk in a spirit of yieldedness to him, not, not, uh, not caving in to the, uh, all of the temptation of the world and being squeezed into the mold of the world and yet, uh, and uh, other, other than that, or uh, uh, opposite of that, being transformed by him, when that happens in my life, I will be fruitful. It's what John 15, one of the ladies read this morning, If I abide in him, if you abide in me, he said, you'll bring forth fruit. And so our fruitfulness, yes, stay in the world. Do not be isolated from the world. God wants you in the world, but not of the world. Not partaking of the world's philosophy. And and in doing that, I'll be fruitful. And that fruitfulness will be good, that is pure. It will be acceptable, well-pleasing to God, and it will be perfect or complete. Recently, I I alluded to this a a week or so ago, recently, meeting in the past month or so, Kathy and I went uh, to a a secular gathering, we'll say, party, and we were invited. I'm sure uh, uh, those uh, involved in it did not know uh, uh, the ilk uh, of, of who, who we are um, because uh, it was filled with lost people. Uh, nice enough to us and all, uh, but we, it was a distinct, there was a distinct difference without there being any holier than thou at all. Uh, in fact, we, we jumped right into the conversation and, and enjoying the food uh, uh, and the drink hours of the uh, non-ethanol version and I think everyone else oh heavily of the ethanol version 
And after an hour, uh, one of the men, much older than me, said, uh, I notice you're, uh, you've got uh, some kind of pop. I think I had a, a can of Diet Coke or something with me, holding it. He says, uh, you don't drink? And I said, I don't. Again, not, not trying to be snooty. Well, why is that? Well, you don't ask a preacher <laughs> that kind of a question. <laughs> and of course, I gave testimony of, I only want to have the control of the Lord over my life. And I haven't uh, had alcohol in 40, I don't know, whatever, 42 or 3 years or something like that as a beverage. And I, was, and I said it in such a way as to not say, shame on you, you sinner. Frankly, because there's, there's lots and lots of born-again folks who do consume alcohol as a beverage. Um, boy, could I preach a message on that, but not right now. And so the point I'm making is we were in the world. I mean, there was worldliness, philosophy of thought, all, all roads lead to heaven, and, and all, all of that sort of a thing. But we were distinct from the world. Now, maybe you don't have liberty to, uh, to be in that environment. I'm being very transparent here. And there are some environments you may feel like you can and that I wouldn't. That's the whole nature of Romans chapter 14 and uh, be sharing more on that this evening. Following his will. You can't do any better than following his will. And you can't follow his will unless you're yielded, being in the world, but not of the world. Much, much, much more on this subject for the next 12 months. Lord, I'm so thankful that you have made it clear in your word that we actually are, as children of light, as living sacrifices, to live out that, those concepts, those realities, in this world, before the viewing audience of lost people. May we do so holy, acceptable unto you in a yielded way, not partaking of the philosophies, the delights of the world, but setting our affection on things above. And Lord, I pray that for my own self. I ought to be further down the road knowing you 46 years than I am, to my shame, my regret. But may you use this theme this year to provoke in me more and more of a hunger and thirst after righteousness. To follow you genuinely, from the heart, courageously, consistently, so that you might be honored. In my life, pray that for your people here. Bless your word.